Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Label Paranormal Podcast. I'm your host, Tom. And I'm Mark. And we're here to discuss everything and anything labeled paranormal that you can think of. And the topic we're very excited about for today is a little bit of a case study into uh, the Kecksburg UFO incident, or as some call it, an acorn from space. Uh, affectionately, it's known as that just because it resembled the shape of an acorn or a bell that fell from space. And when I say from space and crashed in Kecksburg, uh, Pennsylvania, I don't mean it just came straight from the sky. There's multiple cities, sites, areas that seen this thing. So um, if you're not a UFO historian like the two of us, I'm going to go ahead and read a little bit about uh, the UFO uh, Kecksburg crash. So the evening of December 9th, 1965, left an unusual imprint on the memories of many residents of a southwestern Pennsylvania town a little before 5 p.m. A raging fireball was reportedly seen falling from the sky before finally crash landing in the woods near a small town, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania, which is about a 45-minute drive from Pittsburgh. Eyewitnesses said they felt vibrations and a loud thump at the time of the crash, and the fireball was seen by people across six states, even as far away as Canada. But what exactly was this unknown flying object that crashed in Kecksburg? When locals visited the crash site, they discovered an unusual bell-shaped craft without wings or any recognizable propulsion system. The bronze-colored structure resembled an acorn, and it was estimated to be about 15 feet long or the size of a Volkswagen Beetle. Time out. We use everything but the metric system. <laughs> Measuring in Volkswagen <laughs> um, adding to the bizarre, Adding to the bizarre occurrence, the Kecksburg UFO featured a design reminiscent of Egyptian-like hieroglyphics that were engraved on the outside of the craft. Within hours, military personnel arrived at the UFO crash site to confiscate the wreckage. Local newspapers reported that the area around the crash was immediately sealed off by order of the U.S. Army and the Pennsylvania State Police. In fact, according to a story in the Tribune Review, Police officials ordered the area roped off to await the expedited arrival of both U.S. Army engineers and possibly civilian scientists. It didn't take long for the military officials to load the bell-shaped craft up to their trucks, cover everything with tarps, and haul away the last remnants of the crash. There were concerns at the time whatever it was came crashing to Earth was radioactive, but ultimately, the only aspect of the story that was confirmed was how baffling it was for the residents in the area. They didn't know what it was, and they didn't know where it was from, and they didn't know what it was made of. But they sure shared the confusion that was brought in by everyone. So that's a little insight into a background into the Kecksburg UFO crash. It did a pretty good job of talking about the, the uh, area's residents and things like that. But one thing I wanted to highlight too, Mark, is when I say this thing flew over six states and you think, okay, six states, you know, well, if you live in my area, you know, southwest uh, or southeast Pennsylvania, you got four states within like 10 miles. It's probably not the best way to talk, you know, about how big this thing was and how long it was coming down. So another site labeled the six states and Canada which was Detroit, Michigan, Windsor, Ontario, um, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New York, and even West Virginia. 
So if you're not from the East Coast or anything like that, you're talking thousands of miles that this thing had flown over before it crash landed. It wasn't just a small area. This thing, unfortunately, was going down and probably knew it was going down. And lucky for everybody involved, it landed in rural, you know, outside of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, which was mostly farmland uh, or, or forest cover. So, you know, where do we where do we start with this? You know, where, where do we start with this? Uh, Pennsylvania's Roswell is what this is. Um, yeah, we have the date. We have the time. Where, where do we start? How, how do we start to unpack this? I guess what we have to look at first is the aftermath. We obviously don't know what it was and we don't know why it crashed. But what we can tell you is that Army engineers and possibly civilian scientists and Army engineers is a very loose word for they're the guys that they're the scientists. They're the guys that are able to identify material structures, yes. things like that. You're yeah. bringing your your what it you're, you're answering what is this with your best and brightest? All right. That's what you're sending out there. You're not sending. I, I thought it was adorable that I mentioned the Pennsylvania State Police. They were probably oh, yeah. getting coffee and roping off and, and directing traffic. Let's not yeah. be mistaken about their, <laughs> you know, involvement in this. I, I, yeah. Were, did, did you honestly think they were, you know, in the material? Probably not. <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. We talk about this a lot on the podcast. I'm a big proponent of that. If something crashes and it's a fireball, that doesn't have to necessarily mean UFO. You know, civilian planes go down and and and, and their people claim their fireball. But the incident response of this, this is the 70s. They have radar. They had tracking equipment. Mark, what are we supposed to think at first when something goes down, you feel a thud, and the first immediate reaction is military? Well, so, uh, you know, the first reaction um, actually kind of... Um, Reminds me of the the Vegas alien case a little bit. I think the the police saw it in the sky and and yeah. they responded to it, or the uh, at least the firefighters did. Uh, the, the, the volunteer firefighter station, mm-hmm. yeah, the volunteer firefighter station was a mile away uh, from the incident, so they saw it very clearly um, land, and they were under the impression that it was an airplane crashing because of how dramatic. It was how bright it was, how clear of an object that it was. And you have to remember, this is December 9th. So this is in the fall time. The trees don't have leaves anymore. And this thing lands um, in um, it's a rural area, but it's 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 a portion of the woods that's near the road. So it's not like it's not like it's hidden away. People can people saw it and they went over to it to see what it was. And, uh, you know, the that's the thing is that. Kecksburg, it's it's kind of incredible. It really is like uh, Pennsylvania's Roswell, and it's one of the most important UFO cases because there's still no clear answer to what happened. Like uh, most UFO cases, even Roswell, they they got away with the weather balloon thing. This one, no, but like it, it, the the no. the most defined answer is from a, a bunch of astronomers who did not witness the event who said maybe it's a meteor but it also it's it's it displays characteristics of of not being a meteor because it seemed to move its trajectory and yeah you know so you, uh, astronomers tracked this object 
uh, this very bright quote unquote meteor going mm-hmm. across six states and and down uh, it actually about from where the where the Great Lakes are through the Great Lakes yeah. down through Pennsylvania, um, and they tracked it, and then uh, as the object went past Pittsburgh and towards Greenberg, it seemed to change direction. And mm-hmm. as the object got to Kecksburg and witnesses claimed to see it do a sort of controlled landing, it didn't really crash. It slowed down and landed in the woods, you know? So, I mean, you have this verified it going through six States and then when it actually gets to the part where people can see it, then it's bullshit. Is that really what it, what's going on here? What's the implication here is that all yeah. these witnesses made this up. You know, they saw, and that's the thing, that's the craziest thing with this. It's one of these cases where you have all these witnesses from different points. These these are not, I mean, they might all be part of the same town, but they're all approaching this this event from different angles, you know? So you have all these different eyewitness accounts, it, it, you know, people going in the woods seeing this. It's, it appeared as though it was a bronze... Um, object about 15 feet long with no rivets or any kind of machining marks on it um with hieroglyphics on it um and just like what you said i was i watched an interview of one of the firefighters and this is just an interview in the 90s these guys he was he was a young man back then he you know he's he's fully sane and he's describing he went to the woods he saw this object like this um and and the military was there within 15 minutes. So, you know, the fire station's a mile away, literally a mile away. They get there three minutes flat. They're watching. Yeah. They saw then th- 15 minutes after that, the U.S. Army shows up. OK, the, well, might be, I, I forget whether it's the Army or the Air Force. I think it's the Air Force. The Air Force shows up. And, you know, three days after this, the Air Force's official statement on this is we found absolutely nothing in the forest. Okay. So, all right. So now here's the deal. Okay. When you have these kind of events where, you know, um, authorities like firefighters or police see it in the sky and they have to go respond to it because they think it looks so dramatic. It looks like, you know, oh, shit, that could be a plane crash, you know. Even in those events, the military does not show up for that. So mm-hmm. what the fuck is this? Like, why did the military show up so quick for this? And the the the, the cool thing about Kecksburg um, is that I feel though as though it's an inspir it's it's like it's like a classic small town monster story. It's an mm-hmm. inspiration for a lot of different things, like like yeah. um, the ET, Stranger Things, um, mm-hmm. Super Eight. You know, there's a lot of tropes you could draw from this, like you know, potentially a, a weird military facility in small town america and you know there's some kind of extraterrestrial presence it's just it's just cool it's it's part of american folklore and i really like it a lot what do you think uh, i i kind of want to double down on this a little bit here let me are you ready for a little bit more information that we I'm have ready. Here? okay so have you heard of stan gordon or his files about this i love stan gordon okay so let me go into a couple of excerpts that he has about this case news crews from the pittsburgh area tv stations were on scene that evening 
There were news stories about the occurrence that aired on Thursday evening and Friday. I recall watching the broadcast of the incident the next day that was in black and white on one of the stations. Over the years, I requested the TV stations to attempt to locate the archival newsreels for that day in 1965. None of that footage has ever been found after various attempts that were conducted to locate what had been broadcast and should have been in the station's news library archives. Over the years, various Kecksburg, this is to your point, various Kecksburg Fire Department officials have confirmed to me that records for December of 1965, such as the initial incident report logs for fire vehicles, were all missing. Every other record was accounted for. Independent witnesses who were in the area near where the object fell that evening confirmed there were not just one, but two military flatbed tractor-trailer trucks on the scene, along with other military vehicles. Independent witnesses also reported men in what they referred to as moon suits. Keep in mind, this is rural, um, rural Pittsburgh area in the '60s. You know, they they haven't seen much. <laughs> so what they referred yeah. to as moon suits or hazmat suits to us around the area where the object had fallen. That's not unrealistic to think about. You know, you don't know what it is and or what happened there, but. It's quite likely that it already that there was already a quick government UFO recovery program in operation in 1965, which was alluded to on July 26, 2023, by whistleblower David Grush, a former military intelligence officer, testified Congress under oath that he had information that the government has a secret program that involves the recovery of UFOs or UAP. So, it's interesting that within Project Blue Book's report, right, the mm. that was the report of the time. That's what held this or information in this area was that the entry on this case stated a three-man team had been dispatched to acme pennsylvania to investigate and pick up uh pick up an object that started a fire okay so it's documented then so it is documented some of the locals were certain that they began to see a small military presence around kecksburg within an hour after the object had fallen it was over in the next few hours however that a considerable number of military vehicle personnel would arrive in the area. Local and national newspapers mentioned the military activity in Kettsburg, but not the object. Wow. Yeah. So that goes into, you know, uh, Stan Gordon, his, his files are, are you know, uh, top notch. He, he's an individual that I do place trust in. Um, what, there's a lot to unpack there. So let's take our time with it. You know, um, the locals there are, believable you know what i mean they didn't no one not once in He's anything this up. Heard, exactly exactly you know? not once, anything that we read did you hear anyone say i think it's this i think yeah. it's that no they clearly saw the one. same thing yes they they're they're not alluding to guesses and they're not trying to say oh it's definitely this not one thing that i've read about or heard or seen or listened to had anybody mentioned what they just said, I don't know what there's it is. There's no variations. Yeah. There's no variations. Nobody, uh, nobody like the way that they report it is matter of factly as though an airplane is crashing. Like the, this is like how you would read, uh, read an airplane crash report, you know, like a bunch of eyewitnesses saw this, this specific thing happen. And that's what happened. Like it all lines up. It all matches. You know, the, these people are not, it's not like, they decided to all go out at five o'clock in the afternoon on December 9th and, and make this shit up. 
You know, <laughs> people out in rural Pennsylvania, they're not they're not going out in the woods. A bunch of them aren't going to go out in the woods and do that. You are right <laughs> up. We'll, we'll, we'll kick yeah, exactly. Wait, I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, all right. So, you know, withstanding everything that he, he got there, Project Blue Book talks about it. Let, let's take this trajectory here. You know, no pun intended. But, you know, you have the military saying, I didn't find anything. You have Project Blue Book that says we found something. Now, mm -hmm. even they're trying to kick it under the rug a little bit by saying it was an object that started fire. You're not telling them what it is. However, they are saying it was an object. Yeah. So you have two military counteracting reports there. Yeah. You got to throw away the one that says nothing because yeah. by default, you're not going to have one that does say something in a military report. So the yeah. fact that that came out, which was the... I want to know, you know, it was the X-Files before the X-Files, basically. Right. <laughs> like, that's what it was in yeah. the 60s, 70s, you know, or late 60s, early 70s yeah. is when it got out. But when you have all of that and you have these reports right there labeled and we found something, why? Why why make these people look like fools? These are God-fearing, you know, salt-of-the-earth individuals that go to work, come home, raise their kids, and, and that's all they do. And you're calling them liars, one. You know, who who are the people that turn out to vote for you. They're the people that turn out to support you, you all military. What did you have to gain? What, what were you trying to do? Were you trying to control the media? Because that makes a lot of sense looking at how you reacted, right? How mm -hmm. you reacted to this situation. Yeah, that speaks a lot of sense to me that you just wanted the media not to, to blow this up out of proportion. And if you had the time to go over six states and crash and not go six miles into the earth or everything break apart, you had to be coming down over a long, long period of time. So when those army people or air force were dispatched and got to Kecksburg, they didn't leave when it hit the ground. They were already in route. They were already in route. And yeah, they were, know, th that's the thing. They had mm -hmm. to have already been tracking it. That the only way yeah. that they could have gotten there, unless there's some yeah. secret facility there in Kecksburg, is they had to have been tracking it. They were tracking it you from know? right at. If I were to, you know, if yeah. I were to, well, you know, I, that's part. Of, that's in those articles is that the, the, the it's it's alluded that they took those flatbeds right over to. Well, they took them to Columbus, Ohio, and then they took them to Wright Pat in Hangar 18. You know, Hangar 18, absolutely. Um, there are individuals who have spoken out after, you know, they served time or they, they did their time working at Wright Pat that can allude to not just Kecksburg, but, you know, they had a protocol where they would bring it in. They would bring a material in under a tarp. You didn't look under the tarp. It was mm -hmm. under a tarp for a reason. And they went down whichever level they needed to go underneath right. of, um, the underground levels that are there. And yeah. you were... Uh, I mean, almost like a receptionist, like, uh, you, you know, you were the guy loading them into like a, a, a car wash where you're telling them, come on, come on. That, that's basically what they were yeah. doing. So these individuals weren't allowed, first of all, to see, but allowing them to even see a flatbed with a tarp on it. And you have Kecksburg, who other people saying, yeah, there was a flatbed with tarps on it. Come on, there's two ends. There's two ends. There's no need to hide this stuff. Not yeah. to mention, there's a little more into this that we can get into as well, is that 
there are some reports of individuals who were watching this who had a good view. Um, you know, this is a lot of rural property, so you know, it's very conceivable that you could walk over a hill and look into, you know, the very hill, you know, Appalachia, right? Um, people that were looking in on this crash site, there's multiple, multiple reports that not only did you have the two flatbeds with the tarp, but there were boxes and they said human sized boxes, um, that could have contained, um, non human biologics, I guess is the word that we can call it now. But the fact that if this was, you know, we got rushed whistleblower testimony about a UFO retrieval program, which obviously this is right in the wheelhouse because he, he started talking about it in the 30s. So this is the, six, in the later 60s. Yeah. You have this going on. You have the non-human biologics. Could this specific case be what he was referencing? Well, I think this specific case was incredibly important. Um, and it is, it, it you know, this seems to overwhelmingly line up um, with mm -hmm. what David Grush was saying. I agree. In fact, I mean, th this is, th you, you, I mean, it, it says in the Blue Book report, sent out three guys to go pick up object. That's, <laughs> yeah. that is the definition of a crash retrieval program. Like, it, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Like, it's, it's, I don't know, it's just, it's so clear that this, this is this is obviously a very important part of that program. This happened, the, um, you know, the Air Force is, the, and I think in one of those articles, um, in the Wikipedia article, the Wikipedia article for this incident is very interesting because of how okay. revealing it is. Um, yeah, there's there's some um, one detail that they mentioned um, in the Wikipedia article here. I'll just. I'll just share this. Uh, there we go. Um, let me see. Where is it? Yeah. Okay. So this is this is interesting. Okay. This is really crazy. So, um, you know, they were trying to push this idea that it was a meteor, um, and, and um, then. Um, so Leslie Keene, who wrote the 2017, you know, New York Times article, actually teamed up with the Sci-Fi Channel back in 2003 and sued the crap out of NASA to try to release the Kecksburg files. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, so NASA, yeah, so... Um, the, sued NASA under the Freedom of Information Act for the lost files. Um, no. NASA agreed to search for those records after being ordered by court. Um, during the hearing, Steve McConnell, NASA's public liaison officer, testified the two boxes of paper from the time of the Kecksburg incident were missing. Um, but here's the thing. When, when they were trying to disprove, when NASA was trying to disprove this, um, they found metal at the crash site um, mm -hmm. that they tried to attribute to the Cosmos 96 um, Soviet uh, spacecraft that they, they've been trying to link Kecksburg to the Cosmos 96 
um, because it, it, it went around, it, it also went down like a day prior, but then, then they proved that there's no way it was Cosmos 96. So what, what crash material did NASA find? But here's another thing about this Wikipedia article. Um, it, in 2008, space writer James Oberg suggested that NASA was unlikely to possess such documents. In his view, it was highly likely that the supposed NASA team that investigated the site were, in fact, Air Force personnel who identified themselves as NASA personnel, something regularly done by military personnel in civilian clothes in the 1960s. Okay? That's part of the fucking crash retrieval program. Like, yeah. That's it's a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean... Oh, okay. So you're just like openly admitting that they lie, that the, the Air Force lies about space stuff exactly like this. Like it just lines, it all lines up, man. <laughs> it does all line up, and and I a hundred percent believe that they would do that because it's in their best interest. Is there any piece of documentation that says the Air Force has to announce themselves as Air Force? I don't believe so. They can call themselves no. whatever, whoever they want to be. And well, when you yeah. come off, when you come off as somebody who, for NASA, it's it's happier, right? It, it's a, it's a better feeling than saying I'm right. from the Air Force. Well, um, you have to realize that this time period, if we follow David Grush's timeline and and a couple other you know you know really well researched timelines, the 1960s are the time period when the U.S. was in extreme um, military-industrial complex turmoil. The the yeah. president of the United States was just shot in 1963, um, mm -hmm. you know, over the military-industrial complex, and you have the military basically, in, in some ways, going rogue. This is, this is the age of the military doing all the subterfuge bullshit. Where they they lie about things, they send men in black out to intimidate people, they assassinate people. I mean, they probably still did this kind of stuff into the seventies and eighties for sure, but they don't really operate like that anymore. But this is like the golden age of them being bullies, lying about shit, and covering stuff up. <laughs> did you shoehorn in a CIA conspiracy? <laughs> well, th that's the oh, thing is that. Outstanding. <laughs> well, the thing is, you have to. I mean, if we if we follow this, it's the off it's the CIA Office of Global Access, which coordinates yeah. all of this. You yeah. know, they do, and they did, and um, yeah. For for what it's worth, uh, you know, there where there's smoke, there's fire, and you know, read the documentation yourself. Um, we. You know, it's quite ironic that false flag theories were originated around the time Kennedy was in in office, and he absolutely said no to all of them. You know how poetic, I guess. But that's a different time for a different subject. <laughs> that's that's a I, different. I'm very impressed that you put that in there because, man, that I think textbook to a conspiracy. Yeah, that's just that's the content I'm here for. Uh, I hope you enjoy that, readers. That that's one of the highlights of this early podcast. <laughs> season two or, or anything was shoehorning a conspiracy. But I, I'm I'm ecstatic about it. <laughs> so, it's, about, 
converging conspiracies. You got to connect all the dots. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> have a, a cardboard, or I mean a um, a corkboard and string in yeah. a room in your house, then you're not living in my basement. Just, yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be down there chain smoking cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's like 15 goddammits per minute, you know? Yeah. So. <laughs> it all goes back to Pepe Sylvia. Have you ever seen that episode of Always Sunny in Philadelphia? Yeah, that's what you gotta do. And if you're not doing it, you're doing a disservice to the world. And, you know, take that, NSA guy watching our, exactly. our recording. Take that. Um, and then we fade to black, just wait for it. So... <laughs> But, you know, getting back to Kecksburg um, and putting our UFO hat back on, um, one thing that I always found interesting with the misinformation of, you know, making you look here when the actual story's over here is that, you know, could this, and this is what I'm holding a little bit of, you know, not hope, but a little reservation I have, because, you know, we have to be critical of things, too, is that could this, now keep in mind the time, 1965, right in the heart of it. I mean, you're two years, three years off of Bay of Pigs and a complete national disgrace. So our stock is not high. You know what I mean? In this Cold War going on, right? Could this have been our crappy attempt at making a craft? And if it yes. messes up, we throw hieroglyphics on it and we, you know, we, we pull the whole rigmarole of conspiracy cover up, none of that, none of that, all that kind of stuff. And we're testing it out. And look, it failed. It failed horribly. Multiple or two nations saw it, multiple states, and it landed. And we were using, people were in hazmats because they knew what we were trying to mess with in terms of the combustion was probably not healthy. So, you know, showing up to in hazmat to a, a plane crash is unrealistic. You, you wouldn't see that. So why did they show up to this in that type of garb? So um, let's do the reverse conspiracy. Uh, where do you land and, and what's bringing so, you back? So... I think there, I have two theories about this, and that's one of them. And I okay. think there really is only two real theories here, um, is what you said, or they, it, it was an extraterrestrial craft. I, I think that. Um, so what it's basically what you said, um, and I think that lines up with a lot. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think... Um, I think de Glock was real. I think the Germans were trying to develop anti-gravity technology back in the late thirties in Germany. And I think, I think they, they discovered something um, and their scientists came over here and we started working on that technology too. And this, it could have been some type of anti-gravity device. That's it's, it resembles the bell. Um, it it's, it, they, they responded, um, as though it was a radio, a radiation event. Um, I think it, it, it's very interesting that it, but it's also the same time period where, I mean, if we go into deep conspiracy theory territory, um, private contractors were trying to develop um, certain frequencies that would knock UFOs out of the sky. And perhaps 
they knocked one out of orbit. Ooh, now that's very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I can just grab a a quick image here. Um, let's do that. Do that. So, and how did you pronounce it again? Deglock or Deglock? Yeah, it's. It, I say, well, it is Deglock. It is Deglock. Okay. So with um. No, that's not it. But yeah, so when you have this bell, um, and it's can you know the Nazi bell, whatever you want to call it, right? Um, people have reported finding this in 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 odd areas, right? People have found these type of things, and, and anti gravity right. is exactly uh, one of the points of it. But another one was uh, more of a, a time machine, right? Yeah. And so um, as a time yeah. machine, you know, and, and how that could be, um, and now I finally have it, so thank you for your patience. Um, <laughs> so here is what it would look like. Mm-hmm. That's the Glock, yeah. Yeah. Um, Nazi bell or, or whatever you wanted to, uh, whatever you prefer to call it. Yeah. Um, I believe there's actual footage of this thing uh, actually yeah. levitating and it's like hooked up to a chain. So it wouldn't go anywhere. <laughs> so it wouldn't go anywhere. Yeah. No. Yeah. That's it's, it's pretty wild, but it's like really yeah. old footage. When you talk about physics at the time and at the time this happened and even the previous 30 years before this, this, you know, 35 to 65, you know, the we weren't the biggest baddest thing back then. The, yeah, we were. You know, for a lot of the Cold War, but we'll whitewash that yeah. history. The Germans were the experts on physics. They were they were the teachers to us. Yeah, it's not impossible to think that they found something. And being smart people, they read the writing on the wall that they're like, this guy's a nut. <laughs> we're we're gonna yeah. kill keep doing this for him let's help yeah. somebody else you know for whatever yeah. reason they, they picked us and it's probably because they knew of the expansion plan in world war ii about you know going um france and, and then eventually into england and things like that so they needed to put a good barrier between us and nothing like a three thousand mile ocean right so <laughs> um we, they're over here they're helping us out um the this the science that we used later down the line uh and the movie just came out oppenheimer you know what i mean the, the science was de developed back then to allow us you know to i mean literally it's the saying standing on shoulders of giants we did that we, well, we took all their knowledge to create things for us and so go ahead yeah, well, and I just want to add here um, that the German physicists of, of the time, the ones that they brought over for the space program, um, especially Werner von Braun, some of these guys were really into the occult, really into woo stuff, um, Aleister Crowley stuff. I think Werner von Braun, this is the craziest thing, I think Werner von Braun, Aleister Crowley, and L. Ron Hubbard, who made Scientology, all in like the 30s or 40s were living in California <laughs> doing drugs 
and yeah. like trying to do like satanic rituals or not really satanic rituals, but like they were trying to practice like um like uh hermetic religion. order hermetic order of the golden dawn kind of rituals to you know it it and it, it, it you know it's it's very interesting. It kind of goes back to it reminds me of what Diana Pasolka said um about higher up um events that happen in, in NASA, like when they when they reveal a new rocket. Um Sulka says that higher ups at NASA actually do um like rituals to Greek gods, you know? So it's it's weird how much of the occult is involved in this sort of stuff. You know, what are the are the hieroglyphics there to throw us off or are the hieroglyphics like magic sigils? <laughs> I know that sounds crazy, but it's it's just kind of wild to think about. The the actual term was cast on it by individuals who might not they they just know that looks like that from a textbook, and they're at the mercy of their own vocabulary. You know that nobody yeah. says it had to have been that. You know, um, it definitely could have thrown you know thrown them off, and 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 them looking to satanic rituals and and other things is is. To me, a little bit of the constant learning of, you know, tell me what to do, tell us where to go, what to do. Yeah. Um, it, you might need to pray to every different type of thing if you're coming up with math on, you know, where a calculator today has 100 times more of the computing power than what they had back then. And you had pencil and paper to get a rocket on a rock. You know what I mean? Yeah, so, that's a good point. You know, blame them for being like, um, you know, Benny from the Mummy and praying to all the yeah, different. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's what it reminds me of. It reminds me of that scene from the Mummy. Works. I got yeah. six people. You know, I did a bunch of numbers on a on a piece of paper, and it's going to tell me they're going to fly up. You know, hopefully yeah. it works for them. Um, but you know, no, it's a great point that what you said because there's there's a lot of talk about some of the things that become has become declassified whether it's from germany after the ending the war and now being declassified because it became our document or things from the kremlin and the kgb and what they disclassified and the weird yes. weird nutty things they were into yes uh, they were a lot closer to germany they knew what they were doing and they wanted to do the things their own so by proxy you know what was going on in there by what they're declassifying on their end um yeah hybridization you know um oh yeah hearing um, yeah um like quantum theory before we even had a name for it. quantum computing before you even had a name for it um so we're always trying to search for things to to get us to that that god level this could could just be a failed experiment in that regard well, it's interesting that you brought up Russia um, because they actually, I mean, it's not really the same phenomenon, but um, in Siberia, they seem to come across these metallic spheres that are just out in the middle of the woods. And they're big. They're like really big metallic spheres. Um, and there's there's lots of them. Like Siberia's... A, a huge portion of Siberia is basically unexplored or uninhabited. And these, these metallic spheres seem to be out there just out in the woods, like as if they were from some cosmic event. And, and people say that they're like UFOs. They're like these, uh, um, 
the, the drone UFOs, you know, these metallic spheres, you know, and um, if if we go with with, you know, some of the more far out lore, you know, the the government apparently was trying to knock these things out of the sky to crack them open to get element 115 out of them to power their own UFOs. Yeah. The, the idea of stealing something rather than obtaining it yourself is definitely not new to the American government. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was brought up is a hundred percent believable. Yeah. Um, you know, the, there's so many areas and we think technology has you and me recording a, a podcast right now, right? It has us talking here where technology makes the world feel infinitely small. Yes. But there, the, the science doesn't lie. There's areas of this world that have not had human footprints on it. There's uncontacted tribes, you know, all over the world. You, you can't even walk on Antarctica without a permit, basically. Yeah, which is crazy. It's <laughs> not. So, and then the, whatever the number is, I'm going to butcher, but it's like 70% of the world is water. Yeah. And 15% of that 70 has been mapped on the ocean floor, which think about it. That's probably like the Indian ocean and all the rest of it hasn't been explored. So, you know, as much as we want to feel like we know everything, I caution us as a civilization to not fall into that and to keep exploring, keep going out, keep searching for things because if nobody went out and saw those, those metallic orbs, right, Mark, you would have never heard about it here yep. where you are. The ex exploration of firsthand knowledge is what leads us to have an internet and things like that. It's the internet's not supposed to be the main, um, it's not supposed to replace that. We need to go out and explore. We need to find answers. We need to keep digging because again, you know, um, your theories don't disprove science, better science disproves science and you have to get there, you know, and books yeah. have already been rewritten. When I was in school, we don't have a planet anymore. You know what I mean? Uh, when yeah. I was in school, there were seven continents. Now there's five, you know, there's, <laughs> I don't get it, but that's yeah. what they tell me. Um, things have been disproven in our lifetime. Uh, mysteries yes. have been solved. And for this, the, you know, 60, almost 60 years ago. Yeah. Are there still first? We just weren't as technologically advanced now with data farms, with hard copies, with things like that. When they had it saved, it's very easy that if you just threw a box away, like they were talking about the box of documents, if you just threw it in the trash, that was it. Back then, then you're all right. That's it. It in the yeah, it's done. It's over. Yeah, the, the idea of a backup or cloud-based, you know, storage or things that didn't exist back then. So but what's you interesting about it, yeah, is what's interesting about it is that the, like, all of these documents are missing. The NASA box is missing. Somebody infiltrated the fire department and got rid of those yeah. records. And then part of the story is also a man named John Murphy, um, who is a local radio broadcaster um, okay. who heard about this story and i believe he actually either had some like legit audio footage or like some some video footage of the crowd i forget what he had but he had he had some really good shit 
Um, and then he got a visit from the men in black, um, who ordered him to destroy all of his records. So he did. And then he fled to California and he was hit by a car out there and died. So, I mean, it's, it's another classic scenario of, of, I mean, it's just like Roswell with, um, the, uh, you know, military men or men of authority coming around. And it's yeah. kind of unclear whether they're military or where they're coming from, whether the government or what. Um, but they, they bully and harass people to, to get rid of yeah. records. I mean, there's so many records lost about this and so much, um, it's so hazy. Like there, it, like it's, it's, it's definitely not a meteor. You know, the media, the meteor thing was, was came up with by five astronomers who weren't there. You know, you have dozens of witnesses disputing, you know, what happened, you know, it's, it's just, it's incredible. It's, 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 it's one of the the classic cases. And like I said, I think it inspired a lot of small town, you know, monster movies too. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, it's not going to, it's not going to happen anywhere else is what I'm trying to say. You know, that that's yeah. the, that's the quintessential. If you're a, a, a horror, you know, geek like me or things like that, that's where those type of things you want to input yourself into, you know, that, and that's what has so much appeal about this. It, it's deaf. I don't want to say definitely because it's always up for debate, but it's, well, it's definitely top five and it, it probably is number two behind Roswell in, oh, yeah. in the or in the United States. Um, and how serious the town takes it, how much they get behind it. You know, there's UFO conventions in Kecksburg. There's, um, you know, nostalgia, Americana, if you will, if you ever were to drive through there and get to see a piece of history in Kecksburg. And it's their their claim to fame. And and I really, truly believe something happened there. And I really, I don't know if we're ever going to get the full story. I do believe those documents are missing and not hidden. I do believe they were destroyed or, you know, thrown away. But like how we were talking about, if they come in and muscle you and things like that, and they grab your file, that's it. You don't have another copy of it, you know. Um, So unfortunately, you know, we have to go on the talk, you know, and and hearsay. Because even things now, if something were to come out, it's probably the son of somebody, the daughter of somebody who, who, who experienced it and they told me. So, you know, we, we, we do have to keep that alive. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but, you know, I don't know if the firsthand accounts are here 60 years later um, and, and how accurate they would even be. But uh, yeah, definitely, at this point, you know, I, I love doing these case dives. I love, there's so much intrigue with this story. And there's multiple different facets too, Mark, that we can grab onto that's interesting in its own right. And leads us into everything, like you just did with, you know, CIA and Kennedy. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it for us today. You know, we appreciate everybody uh, listening. Thank you so much. Please like, subscribe, leave a comment, leave us a good review. If you have a story or you would like to share um, an experience with us, please uh, email us at labeledparanormal at gmail.com. You can find us on any uh podcasting site uh even alexa they play labeled paranormal and you know we really appreciate all you guys um taking your time out to listen to us and you know we'll be back with more uh more case studies you know we'll get into cryptids coming up soon 
we can't wait to uh, do this. And we really, truly appreciate the following uh, that we've received. So uh, I want to say thank you, everyone. Be safe. Have a good night. And until next time, keep being weird. See you guys.